What's going on, everybody, and welcome out to the Adapt and Overcome podcast. This is Chris Nugent. I'm checking in with you all. We are on month two, approaching month three of the uh, quarantine. And uh, just last week, I celebrated my daughter's fifth birthday. So I took about four or five days off from legitimate working. Um, I literally have not cracked over my app on my laptop since last Thursday, and with today being Monday the 27th. Um, had a couple cobwebs on it, not to say the least, but um, I wanted to check in and talk with you guys uh, and kind of go over a story. So I was wrapping up my tour in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, and I wanted to figure out what my next move was going to be. Uh, so I went to go talk to the career planner and weigh my options. Uh, I knew I wanted to travel the world uh, just because I had liked the uh, route that we had taken to get to Afghanistan. I had never been outside of the country at that point. Now I'm thinking back. Um, I don't think I've been outside the con- country before going to Afghanistan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was my first time. And so we had made a couple of stops. Um, And of course, you know, we're obviously going um, to a uh, war zone. But before we had gotten to that war zone, there was a few Air Force bases that were uh, plush. You know, we got treated pretty well. And I actually had gotten to see different parts of the country I'd never seen before, different parts of the world, excuse me, that I'd never seen before. And it was just an amazing experience. So as um, as I you know saw that, I, I it stuck with me the entire time. And it's one of the things that they kind of got me through the uh, the seven month rotation in Afghanistan, just thinking about all the places that I could go, uh, you know, after making it out of that. So I talked to the career planner. And if uh, if you know anything about me, I used to run track in high school, ran for the uh, first started running for the the uh, Houston, Madison Marlins, uh, learning how to jump hurdles. I was terrible. I was garbage. Um, and then eventually moving on to the Dallas um, Franklin D. Roosevelt uh, Mustangs. Again, still garbage, totally garbage. Uh, and then um, finally ending up at the um, the Lancaster High School Tigers, uh, where we uh, where we all ended up winning the 4A state title championship down in Austin. Um, and this is back in 2008 when that title was won. So. Um, Shout out to Lancaster Tigers for that. And um, I knew I wanted to pursue something athletic. So I told the career planner, you know, is there a way that I can run for the Marine Corps track team? Not even thinking that it was something that was going to be overly difficult, something that I wouldn't be able to obtain. I just knew that if they gave me an opportunity, I would be able to run with that Eagle Globe and anchor on my chest and just kill it, essentially. And so uh, she told me that if I were to do that, that I would not have a Marine Corps uniform on and that it would be a Navy uniform, potentially with a Eagle Globe and Anchor uh, emblem somewhere on the uniform, but still under the Navy moniker. As a matter of fact, I think she said there would be no differentiation. It would just be a Navy uniform. And no disrespect to you know any of my friends, family and anyone that's serving in the Navy. But at that moment, for me being 19, 20, actually I was 19 at the time, um, young-minded, not thinking, bullheaded, I was like, nope, if it's not a Marine Corps uniform, I don't want to run. So I sort of shot myself in the foot there. 
moving on, she told me that there were a couple of different options, things that didn't really interest me. And then she she finally um, ended up on Marine security guard duty. Um, and if you're familiar with Marine security guards or, or if you're not familiar with Marine security guards, um, if you've ever seen the movie Jason Bourne, um, what you see, the Marines that you see in that movie, those are MSGs. They protect embassies, missions, and consulates around the uh, around the globe, and their uh, mission is to protect personnel, so classified personnel, classified information, and um, you know classified equipment. Now that that may have changed, and I may have butchered the mission statement. It's been it's been a few years since I've been an MSG. But that was our mission. We needed to protect uh, American secrets. We needed to protect American personnel. And we also needed to protect uh, American soil, including the equipment um, in any of these uh, foreign countries. So we were the very first Americans that uh, foreign nationals would see when they walked onto U.S. soil, i.e. an embassy or mission or consulate. And that was their job. And when she explained it to me, I was like, yes. Absolutely. Put a check in the box. I'd love to sign up for that. And she did prove, you know, sort of preface it and said, this is an extremely difficult um, program to become a part of. Um, They literally have a very low acceptance rate just because of the the type of assignment that it is. And there's no guarantee that you'll get the assignment, but we can at least start the package. And a package in the Marine Corps is basically uh, a a process of documentations, screenings, background checks, physical fitness checks. I mean, anything that you can think of, they want to know who you are on paper. Um, so think of it sort of as a resume on steroids, right? And so I say, yeah, let's do it. So I, I once I rotated out of Afghanistan back to Camp Pendleton, California, uh, at, I already started my package. And it was about a two to three month process I had no idea if I was going to be accepted or not. And this was October. I got home October 5th, 2010 from Afghanistan. And the process literally went from two days after me touching down to right around Christmas time um, before I knew if I was accepted or not. And I finally got word that I was accepted. Uh, I had gotten uh, I would be getting orders around January and I would need to be reporting around March to MSG school, which is over in um, Quantico, Virginia, or in that area. Again, it's been a few years. So I finally get my orders and, you know, I'm all excited. I'm telling people, hey, I'm I'm about to start traveling the world, not even knowing, you know, if I was going to make it through the process, but I knew it had got accepted. So that was pretty much all I needed. And I get to school in, uh, in Virginia and it's a little bit different than what I had been used to in the Fleet Marine Corps. Uh, we were in a sort of tucked off area where, you know, the Marine Corps base was filled with higher ranking individuals. So officers galore. Um, we were not too far from D.C., where obviously the Pentagon, White House, I mean, you name it, that, that was where all the big wigs, um, you know, were, were at, where they were stationed. And so it was a, it was a, a little bit of a, a culture shock within the Marine Corps. And being there, we, you know, had to learn different things. Um, and that's another podcast for another day. But the reason why I'm telling you all this story is because I was faced with a challenge. And one of those challenges was I had to stand in front, uh, in front, in front of a seven man 
um, bored, so to speak. And this is probably about a month and a half into school. School was, how long was school? I think school was about two months. So we were just wrapping up um, pretty much all of the training. And again, another podcast for another day, because I got plenty of stories just within that two months alone. And um, part of the board was you needed to be dressed to impress. So we were in dress blue alphas. Uh, you obviously needed to always be clean shaven and they were going to run you through a series of questions. And so they had some sheets and some documents on you. Um, by this point, uh, we were already being um, background checked and investigated by multiple um, overt and covert um, agencies. And so, you know, family and friends had been contacted. You know, they knew pretty much everything about us uh, at that point. Um, so it was very, very top level, very interesting. That was sort of my introduction into um, intelligence, counterintelligence, things of those natures. Um, and so I walk into this this boardroom with seven individuals and I have my my sergeant. Um, I forget sergeant's name. He eventually picked up staff sergeant while we were in school and I forget his name. I remember his face. I want to say it was like picky or pygmy or something like that. And. We walk in, yeah, I snap to, I do my greeting, and then I, I go to pray rest when uh, commanded. And so I have literally the head of the Department of State in front of me. I have some rugged, rough around the edge, Master Gunnery Sergeant, just beaming me the entire time with this look of disgust and heinousness that he's, in, you know, just, just gazing at, like, I I was very highly intimidated and a bunch of other important individuals um, that were either a part of the Department of State, uh, DOD, you know, um, so on and so forth. So to give you an idea, I had one individual who was of military ranking that I was familiar with and then another six individuals who were all civilians. So they had different types of haircuts. They were in different styles of clothing. They just didn't look to be of military background. So that was part of the litmus test, would I be able to conduct myself in front of individuals who are just as important, if not more important than some of the uh, individual bosses that I had, sergeants, staff sergeants, gunneries, gunnery sergeants, things of that nature, just because of their billets. And if I could be able to not mess it up, you know, to be able to represent the Marine Corps very well. And we get through a series of questions. I feel like I'm crushing it. I, you know, I, I get a good vibe from from everybody, and they're asking, you know, some some really in depth questions, questions that you know I, I won't speak about, but they're asking some really good questions. And then one of my last questions, I kid you not, one of my last questions was from this crusty old salty, not crusty salty is what I want to say, because crusty in the civilian world means it, it has a different meaning, but. I mean, this this salt dog, I could tell he did a couple of tours. I mean, he was he was rough around the edges. But again, he's my boss because, you know, we're, we're Marines. And so he he looks me dead in my eye. He, he really hadn't blinked the entire time I've been on this board. And um, he says, so. Corporal Nugent. What's up with that dirt on your lip? And I pause. I look around. The civilians are kind of like confused. Even the the director of the Department of State, he's kind of like, what kind of question? But they keep their bearing, right? Because they're on one team. 
I'm trying to get on this team. And I paused. I literally did not say nothing. And it felt like I just stood there and looked at him with this confused look on my face. Like, what kind of question is that? So in the Marine Corps, part of the regulation when I was in was that Marines could wear a mustache. And I say wear because <laughs> that's pretty much how I was looked upon. We could we could wear a mustache. But the order at the time was that it needed to be neatly groomed and trimmed. So a good rule of thumb that I had gotten from someone um, in my past at that point in the Marine Corps was that just keep it from going uh, past the orifice of your lips and make sure that it is not growing over the top of your lip and or into the uh, the bottom of your nose. It needed to be trimmed and groomed to look presentable. None of that extra fluffiness, no extra, n- none of that. It needed to, it literally needed to look like a, a, a sliver of dirt on your lip. Not like a Hitler patch, nothing of the sorts, but something that was presentable. And I mean, you literally could not push the limits or someone was chewing your behind. And so that's how I would wear my mustache. Also in the Marine Corps, there's a culture of what we call saltiness, right? At this time, I had just gotten back from Afghanistan. So I got just a little grain of salt. I mean, I know guys that did five plus tours, um, you know, have seen some real, um, some real deal um, combat. And, you know, they were, they were salty. Their uniforms was almost white, you know, when they were coming home. And so I hadn't reached that level of what we call saltiness, but I wasn't a boot. And, you know, again, another story for another day. So I started wearing a mustache because I literally could not grow another piece of facial hair. And I was tired of just having this bald baby face. So my thought process to this master gunnery sergeant was exactly that. I know that I was in regs. I knew what the order had stated. And I explained it to him with as much calmness as I could because my heart was literally about to jump out of my chest. So I looked Master Gunner Sergeant in the eye and I said, Master Gunner Sergeant, um, the order states that in order to wear a mustache, it must be not protruding past the orifices, must not be hanging over the lip and must not be growing up into the nose, giving a neat and reasonable appearance. And the Master Gunner Sergeant He kind of sits back, he looks, and he says, well, that is correct, but it still looks like you have a piece of dirt on your lip. Are you the type of individual that likes to push the envelope? (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Like, who is this guy, right? And so... I, I'm thinking quick by this point because now I'm, I'm I'm on the spot. Now he's calling me out. I said, no, sir, absolutely not. I'm not the type of individual that likes to push the envelope. I just thought that I would treat myself to something coming back from Afghanistan. Literally, my words, I would treat myself after coming back from Afghanistan. And he had the purest look of disgust on his face. <laughs> He was like, if you don't get out of my face right now, I'm going to choke slam you. His exact words. If you don't get out of my face right now, I'm going to choke slam you. Aye, aye, Master Gunner Sergeant. Good evening, gentlemen. They said, you know, he says dismissed. I popped my right flank 
or right face, excuse me, and I march out of that bad boy, and Staff Sergeant comes out of there right behind me, and he smiles. I said, Staff Sergeant, why are you smiling? I just bombed this, this board. And he looks at me, and he's like, Corporal Nugent, you did phenomenal. What? What do you mean I did phenomenal? He just chewed, he just chewed me out. He was like, well, what you got to realize is that wasn't a litmus test of what your answers would be. That was a litmus test of what your composure was going to be. And he's like, not at one point did you lose your composure. You kept yourself calm. You answered the questions with confidence. You didn't stutter. And you were being straightforward without being disrespectful. He's like, you did phenomenal. He's like, go upstairs, get changed, get ready for PT, right? And I was, I was like, what just happened? What just happened here? I was completely blown. I, I, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be accepting into this program. I'm going through a month and a half of this training. I've been OC sprayed. I'm going through this. I'm going through that. And here he is just telling me, yeah, man, you did well. So I was accepted. I passed. I got through the litmus test. And I went on to become a, uh, a Marine security guard. Um, and I actually toured some really great countries, which, you know, again, you tune into the podcast. Eventually, I'll get into some stories of each individual country because I got stories. This was a three year tour. So I got stories galore. And um, the reason why I tell you all that is because in life, we may feel that we are not doing a phenomenal job. And there may be signs that we aren't doing such a good job because that's how we're perceiving them. But we may be missing the message or not reading between the lines or taking it at a negative perspective, which is not allowing us to see the, the full spectrum. I assumed by his questioning and his demeanor that I was failing the litmus test. So in life, in entrepreneurship, in your work life, in your marriage, in whatever it is, you're going to feel that you may be not up to par because of the signs that you're paying attention to. But overall, patience, perseverance, and keeping calm is what gets us through to the other side. And all of those negative perceptions that we were seeing never really were there. They were always in our head. Now, you can call it confidence. You can call it arrogance. You could call it whatever you want to call it. Had I had a different approach or excuse me, a different perspective in that in that boardroom, in that board meeting, um, then I would have probably been able to see that I was doing okay. I was doing well. But my perception was in my head. All seven of those individuals on that board probably was like, man, this kid is doing phenomenal. He's keeping his composure. He's not shaking. He's not sweating. He's not stuttering. He's giving us what we want to hear. And he's delivering it under pressure with logic, clarity, precision. I mean, you name it, right? I was I was hitting my mark without even realizing I was hitting my mark because I was focused on all of the other things that I thought they would be focusing on. So in life, focus on the mission. Keep your head steadfast, uh, looking forward. Stay steadfast and never give up. And I know that's cliche to say, but don't let 
little hiccups, little humps in a row, little perceptions, little negative perceptions stop you. And especially look to individuals that can give you their perspective and give you their honest opinion and also someone that you respect their opinion from. Um, I know this quarantine has been tough for a lot of people, but again, this quarantine is that seven man boardroom. You may think that everything's falling to, to, to shit and it very well may be. But realize that it may be falling to shit for a better purpose, for a better reason. And if it's not falling to shit, you should be grateful. You should be reaching a hand out to other individuals. You should be finding ways to support people who may need you right now, even if you don't have a whole lot to give. What I want you all to keep doing is just keep pushing. Keep going forward. Don't focus on what's going on right now, because I was able to move on from a 30 minute board you know, meeting, boardroom, uh, whatever you want to call it. 30 minutes of my life, and I was able to, to, to live three years after that 30 minutes in complete and utter har- harmony, all based on a decision that I had four or five months prior, saying that I wanted to travel the world. That's what I want you guys to see there. I had a thought. I want to travel the world. Within a week, I spoke to an individual who gave me some options. Within a couple of months after that, I was able to start that process to go pursue those options. And within a couple of months after that, I was on my way to live in three years, exactly how I set out six months prior to that. Had a decision, pursued it, came across some hiccups, some things that may have knocked me off my path, and then was was well on my way doing exactly what I had set out to do six months prior to that because I didn't give up, because I didn't let you know a board meeting deter me. I didn't let all of the other obstacles that I faced deter me. And so, like I said, that's just three months of my life. And I'm sure you guys have, or excuse me, three years of my life. I'm sure you guys have had opportunities in your life where you wanted to do something and maybe you did get knocked off and onto a different course. And maybe that was what was supposed to happen. Or maybe that wasn't what was supposed to happen. I can't even talk right now, but think back to those times and see how you are now here today, right now, listening to this podcast. And you're able to look back and say, dang, I did make it through that. So making it through this storm is going to be the exact same thing. All right. So I appreciate y'all checking in. If you do get an opportunity, head over to justdobnb.com. We got a lot of good information over there. Uh, If you are wanting to start a new business opportunity, whether you want to be hands on or just being an investor, um, this is going to be a very easy way for you to get started in real estate. I'm not selling you a get rich quick scheme. I'm not. This isn't a business opportunity. This is a outlet to get into real estate at a very basic level. And again, this is more like how Uber is to taxis. Airbnb is to the hotel industry. There's an easy way for you to make money in real estate without having to buy an entire piece of real estate or over leverage yourself. So if y'all would like, share the podcast, um, head over to justdobnb.com, share that with someone that has been looking to get into real estate that wants to learn about how to get started in Airbnb at a very minimal, very minimal cost. Um, And we greatly appreciate it. So I'll see y'all next time on the Adapt and Overcome podcast.